0: Yarra Libraries acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung as the traditional owners and true sovereigns of the land now known as Yarra. We also acknowledge the significant contributions made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to life in Yarra. We pay our respects to Elders from all nations listening today and to the Elders past, present and future. Hi and welcome to the last episode of the Our Libraries podcast for 2020. We thought it might be nice to end the year on a high note with our rundown of some of our staff's favorite reads of 2020. We hope they're useful, whether you're doing last minute gift purchasing, planning your summer reading stack, or just deciding what to place on hold for 2021. We have some great romance, science fiction, literary fiction, YA, and junior fiction books coming up, but we'll kick it off with some fantastic non-fiction recommendations.
1: Uh, My name's Connor. I'm a library officer at Bagunga Nanyan North Fitzroy Library. So I've read a lot this year, um, a lot more than I actually planned to read, which was a really nice surprise, I guess, in lockdown. One of my favorites has been um, David Chang's memoir, uh, Eat a Peach. And David Chang is one of my favorite chefs. And I read a lot of chefs memoirs, and this one really stood out to me. So David is the chef from Momofuku Sayobu. Uh, which is in Sydney and it was a really groundbreaking restaurant for using our native ingredients and so the memoir kind of goes through his life story, it very much is an autobiography and it gives you a lot of insight into him and the kind of rise of his little food empire as well and I learned a lot about him that I didn't know uh, a lot about his mental health um, which kind of shed a lot of light on he has these rumours of being this like slightly psychopathic, really aggressive chef in the kitchen. And he addresses a lot of that in a really poignant way that I never would have I never would have got if I hadn't read this. Um, and it's also just full of amazing food descriptions. So you, like, don't read it if you don't have something nearby to snack on because it is – it's amazing and it's very, like, moorish and you will super want more of it and you will want more food too. Um, I would recommend this for anyone who, A – just loves food and loves reading about it and thinking about it and consuming it. But also, if you enjoyed the documentary a few years ago on Netflix, Ugly Delicious, this is actually him. Um, So you might have watched that and gone, this is really cool, never heard of this dude. This is your chance to kind of learn more about him.
2: Hello, my name is David, and I'm part of the Yarra Libraries team. My favourite book for 2020 is Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland and was written by an American writer, Patrick Radden Keefe. At nearly 500 pages, it's quite a long book and this is what I was reading for most of our first lockdown period. Primarily, the book centers around the abduction and disappearance of Jean McConville, a mother of 10 from a Divi Street flat in Belfast in December 1972. The IRA believed McConville to be an informer and sympathiser to the British troops in Belfast during the time of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Jean's kidnapping and the story of her children's fight for justice and their own search for meaning and closure is interwoven with an intimate and visceral background history to life in Belfast during the height of the conflict. The book ventures beyond the ancient hostilities between Protestant and Catholic and casts a light on some of the key figures of the IRA and the eventual toll that the decades of struggle, protest, and violence took upon their lives as they lived beyond the years of the immediate conflict. Northern Ireland's recent history has always been of interest to me, though I felt many books on the subject are weighed down by a sense of history or are often skewed towards a particular political or cultural bias. However, I found that Raddenkeith's style of narrative non-fiction kept the subjects' matter alive, particularly in how he traced the intersecting lives of the key figures. Incidentally, the title of the book came from a poem written by Irish poet Seamus Heaney called Whatever You Say, Say Nothing, which explores the themes of suspicion, silence and treachery. So there we are, without question, my book of the year for 2020, Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland by Patrick and keefe
3: Hi, my name is Nick. I'm a community programmer at Yair Libraries based at Bugungunanian North Fitzroy Library. And I'm here to share with you my favorite book of 2020, um, The Crying Book by Heather Crystal. It's a nonfiction book written by a poet. So naturally the work is very eloquent, poetic and comes from that place of a poet's mind. It's about crying, as the title suggests, and Heather Crystal goes into the history of crying and her own personal relationship to crying, and yes, I did cry while reading the book, and maybe you will too. I recommend it to poetry lovers, Anyone who's interested in knowing more about tears and emotions, and anyone who's interested in nonfiction work.
0: If you want something a bit more escapist after this year, we hear you. This year, even our dedicated nonfiction readers said they read more novels than usual. So here are our picks from the fiction we worked our way through this year.
4: Hi, I'm Marcia and I'm the team leader at Bergunganungen, the North Fitzroy Library. And the book I'm recommending for the holidays is Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. This is the first book I've read by Alexis Hall, but I have colleagues who rave about him, so I was curious. Probably the driver in, in reading it though was it was compared to Red, White and Royal Blue, which I read last year and adored. So I got into Boyfriend Material a few months into the lockdown and um, I loved it. It is the most romantic book and the hardest thing to decide is do I like it more than red white and royal blue and I think I do. I think the relationship between the two characters Luke and Oliver is a lot more honest and a lot more um, sweet. It's actually sweet. It's a bit, it gives me the same feeling as watching Notting Hill. It's um, that cast of, of terribly English characters um, doing ordinary things, but in a, you know, that, a bit of a quirky English way, which to me as an Australian seems um, like television. <laughs> I would recommend this book for true romantics. It is so romantic. Luke and Oliver, uh, I knew from the outset that Luke and Oliver were, were perfect for each other, but they had to find it out, and they also had to battle through um, family relationships that blocked them. So that was that's part of the driver of the story, but generally speaking, if you like a good romance, it's beautiful.
5: Hi, my name's Sam, and I work at Fitzroy Library. My favourite book of 2020 was Weather by Jenny Offal. I was reading... Uh, the Dream Songs by John Berryman, which is a, a collection of poetry, and uh, looking, some, looking up some stuff on the internet about that and uh, saw that there was a woman called Jenny Offel who was inspired by John Berryman to write books. Uh, so I picked up her book Weather, which was released this year. And you can definitely see the poetic influence in the writing. Um, the, the book is written in a series of short paragraphs, which are stream of consciousness, uh, thoughts and kind of pearls of wisdom I guess and uh, so it has this kind of dreamlike, uh, almost plotless um, narrative initially but as you realize uh, as you get uh, you know further into the book you realize that there is a plot and uh, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in there about um, you know the, the modern world and especially um, the cl- climate change as well and family relationships and it's funny it's really funny um and it's beautifully written and i would recommend it to anyone who likes uh slightly experimental fiction something different something unique and also it'll only take you a couple of days to read because it's pretty short uh so yeah that's my pick weather by jenny offal as the book of 2020
6: Hi, I'm Tegan. I'm a digital and community learning officer at uh, Yarra Libraries. And uh, this year I loved Elizabeth Tan's Smart Ovens for Lonely People. So Smart Ovens for Lonely People is, <laughs> as the title suggests, I suppose, a very strange and very funny and in a lot of ways, very warm and kind of, and kind uh, short story collection. Uh, I guess uh, to give you a sense of what it's about, uh, it's a, uh, the title... Uh, story is about a uh, woman who, in order to help treat her depression, is given a cat-shaped smart oven that also uh, kind of acts as her pseudo-therapist. Yeah, there's all kinds of different stories about, there's one about a woman who uh, owns one of the very last stationery stores, there's uh, one about like Instagram and, and that kind of do what you love and you'll never do a work a day in your life kind of movement and one about Neko Atsume, an old uh, cat based mobile phone game. Um, and yeah, I guess what I loved about all of these stories is that they really kind of cleverly critique or uh, comment on certain social trends or, or ways technologies has uh, affected kind of human behavior. Um, but they also managed to avoid that kind of like cynicism uh, that often accompanies a lot of the writing around this kind of this kind of stuff. There's a lot of sincerity and compassion to all of these stories, but they're not. It's not too saccharine, um, and it really kind of underscores or elevate, elevates the the point she's trying to make, rather than I guess undermining them. Um, and they're just also just really funny and a pleasure to read. So, I guess I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone who's looking to read something that uh, that's unlike they've ed- anything they've ever read before, um, but also in you know, like a really warm and, and comforting way.
7: Hello, my name's Thomas Mendelovitz. I'm a digital com- and community learning officer based here at Bargunga North Fitzroy Library. The book I've chosen is The End by Karl Ove Knauskor. He's a Norwegian writer. So The End is the sixth book in his My Struggles series. And I have read all other all the other five books and it's it's been great to get to The End and um, be transported into present the present day sort of um, life of um, Karl Orvar. So he sort of talks about um, different stages of his life, not not so much chronologically, but sort of um, vignettes from different periods, um, different kind of salient times in his life. And I just love his the sort of stripped back minutia of his text. Um, there's no kind of pretentious. Um, Literary devices, um, even though you know it is, it is kind of in the genre of literary fiction. He does talk about, you know, there are sort of um, tangential um, passages on art and writing, and you know, things, all, all different kinds of things, clouds, um, philosophy, history. But it's a very sort of stripped back and bare sort of approach, psychological approach. Something else I've really enjoyed about getting into the end—it's a—it's uh, a thousand pages, and the other ones are more like four or five hundred. But it really—it you feel um, it's something to look forward to reading them all. I think, um, and definitely um, re- reading this one, I'm really glad that I've read the others. Um, I don't think you would have to read them in order, um, but probably the end is considered the end, where and that's the only. Even though the other ones are numbered. I think that, um, yeah, it would definitely be worth reading the other ones before this one, even though I think this one only has come out in English in the last year or two. Um, I would recommend this book for anyone who wants to, you know, have a lot of writing to look forward to and a lot of very specific, very idiosyncratic, personal and detailed writing. So it's not that, you know, even though there are, you know, great stories of, um, you know, his marriage, his... Journey as a father, as a writer, as a young man, even as a boy, you know, they're all great, like narratives, but it's not a plot, you know, it's not a plot, uh, a pot boiler, it's not a page turner. So um, I, I think if you enjoy, yeah, getting into someone else's head and someone else's experience, then this will be a very rewarding series.
0: Hi, I'm Megan, and I'm the Collections and Reader Development Librarian at Bagoonga and North Fitzroy Library. And I'm cheating a bit and recommending a few books very quickly. Uh, First off, there were two books I loved this year that explored our relationship with um, animals. Laura Jean McKay's The Animals in That Country and Robbie Arnott's The Rain Heron. In the first, hard-drinking Grandma Jean finds herself in the midst of a pandemic that gives humans the abilities to communicate with animals. Well, before it kills them. When in the grips of this disease, her son kidnaps his daughter and she goes searching for them with the help of a dingo, Sue. I listened to this weird wonderful book as an audiobook but I'd recommend it in any form to people who enjoy offbeat literary fiction with memorable characters. If you're put off by the whole pandemic thing, you know I get it, Uh, you might prefer Robbie Arnott's The Rain Heron. You might remember his beautiful prose and way of writing about the natural world from his debut novel Flames. In The Rain Heron, a soldier stalks a possibly mythical creature but my favorite parts of the novel are the backgrounds to various characters lives. There's this gorgeous chapter about a villager's relationship with squid, and I'm not sure how to make that sound less odd, but if you're after a beautifully written novel about our relationship with the natural world, then this is the book for you. Finally, for the space opera lovers out there, I devoured Arkady Martine's A Memory Called Empire. It's a murder mystery about language, diplomacy, and cultural imperialism, and it has something for fans of The Expanse, Altered Carbon, Becky Chambers, and Ursula Le Guin. Enjoy!
8: Hi, uh, I'm Josh uh, at Yarra Libraries and I'm a Digital and IT Support Officer at Bogunga Nanyan North Fitzroy Library. So my book of the year, with two books actually, as it's the Earthseed series by Octavia Butler. This series starts with Parable of the Sower and is followed by Parable of the Talents. Butler was an early American science fiction writer. She offered a unique perspective of class and race as she was both a black and a woman, now, she's often credited with helping start the genre of afrofuturism. It's honestly the best post-apocalyptic novel I've read. Uh, and it's told from a, a not from a her- <laughs> It's honestly the best post-apocalyptic novel I've read. And it's told not from a heroic perspective, but one of survival that seems realistic and urgent. This series reminds me a lot of Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam series dealing realistically with possible futures and just splendidly written, personal, and intelligent. I'd recommend this to anyone who enjoys either Atwood, dystopia, or simply amazing writing that makes you really feel each character and want them to survive in a difficult world. Happy reading.
9: Hi, I'm Bridget. I'm the Children and Youth Librarian here at Burgungan Onion, North Fitzroy Library. This year I read a book called The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donoghue, who you might know from uh, The Room and Wonder. Sorry, I think it's just called Room. Uh, This book is set in 1918 in Dublin during the Spanish flu pandemic. It's told from the perspective of a nurse who's working on a maternity ward and it follows her and her friends on this ward um, helping pregnant mothers who are sick with this Uh, So you might think it's a strange book to read during a pandemic, but it was such a beautifully written book. The characters were really beautifully drawn and the portrayal of the female friendships was fantastic. It was sad. It will stay with you. It's a bit triggering in terms of... uh, I would not recommend this for anybody who's about to have a baby, but it's such a beautifully uh, historical book that you will learn a lot from and it also helped me put in perspective our current pandemic Um, I would recommend this for adults because it's definitely not a children's book Uh, and yeah as I said not for somebody who's about to have a baby but it is such a beautiful book about female friendship and the power of women um, in times of crisis
0: summer stacks aren't just for adults Bridget's also kicking off a few junior and YA recommendations
9: This year I've also read a book called Stepping Stones by Lucy Knisley. This is a graphic novel for uh, middle grade readers, uh, kids aged maybe 7 to 10. Uh, It's about a young girl called Jen who moves to the country from... She previously lived in New York City and she moves to the country with her mum after their parents are divorced and she has to sort of find her way in this new environment and also uh, the experience of having step-siblings in that her mum gets a new boyfriend and she has to uh, learn to get along with these two new uh, girls who are the daughters of her mum's boyfriend. I love this book because it's so relatable, uh, it's beautifully drawn, it's got lovely round-cheeked beautiful characters and Uh, it's just a very easy read, but I think kids will be able to see themselves reflect, their experiences reflected in the experiences of Jen, the main character. Um, I would highly recommend to anybody who loves uh, Raina Talegermeyer and her graphic novels, it's a very similar feel and similar look in terms of the way it's coloured and drawn. Um, And it's also, it has that authenticity because it is autobiographical in that it's the author's Um, It's her own experience that she's drawing from. So I think similar to Rainer's graphic novels, like Sisters and Smile, it has that real smack of authenticity um, because it's it's drawing on their actual experiences. So, yeah, great for kids aged 7 to 10.
10: Um, Hi, I'm Lizzie. I'm a children's and youth librarian at Yarra Libraries. The book that I'm recommending for this year is a children's chapter book or a junior fiction book. It's called The War That Saved My Life. The author is Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. I'd recommend this book for primary age children so probably grades four onwards possibly even early high school years. Some of the themes are a little mature but oftentimes kids can just read books at their own level so there's nothing to be concerned about in terms of themes with this. It's just got some sadness and some quite deep emotional issues and I guess that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the book. The um, characters were really quite fascinating. It's obviously set in the second world war, a period that I find really interesting and funnily enough there's been a number of kids asking about um, books set in the war and sort of historical novels so I thought this would be a good one to recommend for that reason as well. The main um, protagonist has some um, really quite difficult issues that she's grappling with and you can tell by the title that that it does resolve itself um, these issues and there are lots of twists and turns in this story as well so as with lots of these children's books the the child is you know oftentimes either an orphan or distanced in some way from from their parents and that's certainly the case in this story but there are lots of twists and turns so it's not just a classic orphan story either. I think um It gives a really wonderful portrayal of life particularly for children in the Second World War it's beautifully written it's really entertaining I could not put this book down there's also a sequel that uh, that you can get for this book and that one is um, the war that I finally won so this is probably my number one recommendation for a junior fiction book or a kid's chapter book for 2020. And um, yeah, I hope I hope uh, that that you enjoy
1: it. Uh, I'm Connor, I'm a library officer at Bagunga Nanyan North Fitzroy Library. So the other book that I had been reading that really stuck with me over lockdown was Georgina Young's young adult debut, Loner. It, is astonishing. It is honestly the most amazing, uncomfortable, cuts really close to the bone book that I have maybe read all year. Um, And I absolutely loved it. It made me deeply uncomfortable and tense. And I really recognized a lot of my younger self in it, which I think in a book being able to do that and you still want to keep reading it is an accomplishment. So Lona follows this young girl, Lona, L-O-N-A, and she is just, she's finished year 12, she hasn't gone to uni, she's dropped out of photography school, I think it was, and she's just aimless. She doesn't know who she is, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's pretty unpleasant, she's not very nice to the people around her, and, but because you get the benefit of being inside her head, you get her in a monologue, and you get to kind of learn why she's not very nice, and why She's kind of grating and jarring to all the people around her. And it's just because she has no social skills. She's just an introvert and she doesn't like the world and she doesn't like people. And I really related to that, actually. (laughs) The other thing I really loved about this book, other than it was essentially just a portrait of me at 21, is that it is so Australian. It is absolutely a slice of life in Melbourne, uh, which I adored. But it's a side of Melbourne... That I think you only get to see at a certain time of your life Um, and it's this kind of very adolescent time of your life and I think that when you get a bit older the same places and the same corners and bars and things they look different because you've kind of hopefully grown out of that really hate the world awkward don't know what I'm doing with my life kind of phase Um, and yeah I just think it is it's a wonderful exploration of what it is to have left year 12 and have absolutely no idea who you are or what you're doing. Um, so I highly recommend this to anyone who maybe has just finished year 12 or who has grown enough that you can revisit that part of yourself and it won't be too painful.
0: That's it. That's a small selection of the many, many books we loved reading in 2020. You'll find the names and the authors, as well as maybe you might be able to find them in our collection, in today's show notes. If you're looking for more recommendations, you'll find the top eBooks borrowed this year, highlighted in our social media over the days to come, as well as some summer recommendation stacks from Lizzie, Bridget, Marcia, and myself. Until 2021, take care. We hope no matter what your plans are, you have an hour or two to take a break with a book. See you next year.